Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents and said he could not pay. His master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Please pray with me. Please pray with me. Father, thank you for this morning. Uh, Thank you for um, this church, God, and uh, this community that we have. God, please be with Brian as he uh, preaches. And um, God, we we lift him up to you and his words to you and um, our worship to you. Um, God bless this day to you. We love you. Just sons, and we pray. Amen. All right. I just want a, a quick uh, announcement. It, it's it's uh, honestly a minor miracle that we uh, were kind of pulling off Sunday morning because it's women's retreat this uh, weekend, and my wife has been gone for a couple of days. And there's about 25 women up in Ventura uh, this morning, and many of those women uh, come early and and make everything work. So uh, thank you to Audrey who came early and helped. But um, proud of uh, ourselves we made, we made it happen it was really quite fun to uh <laughs> Lockwood and I were laughing Lockwood, Lockwood is Lockwood Holmes is over by himself in the little trailer with I don't know how many little preschool kids he's he's managing quite well but it's always quite fun to uh well not fun it's quite challenging to uh, endure a weekend without our wives and kids and so I'm um, very grateful for him it makes us uh, <laughs> That's right. The kids are sm- if the kids smell like smoke, you blame it on Lockwood. Uh, that's that's possible. I hope not, but it's possible. All right. Um, I'm uh, I'm not preaching this morning. Brian Rayner is going to. So uh, if this is your first time. Uh, my name is Brian, and uh, uh, I do uh, most of the speaking. And uh, but um, there are other people that do as well. And so this morning is Brian Rayner. If you've been coming for a long time, you know Brian. And um, so one thing that I know for sure is that he's going to share something with you this morning that you can take away and apply to your life. So please welcome Brian. Wow. Get get applause. Um, The scripture that Dan just read and uh, you read together with him, um, I was... Oh, several weeks back, uh, reading that in my truck down at the beach. I think I started most of these uh, introducing where the thought came from, and that's where it happened, in my little chapel, F-350 or Tacoma Chapel. 
uh, sitting down there looking at the ocean. And, and when I read that, I was, I've been reading through Matthew, and I just, re- I just, you know, I've read it many times, and it's convicted me many times, but once again, uh, when I read that story about forgiveness and the freedom that comes from forgiveness, understanding how much I've been forgiven and just how I need to get better at forgiving others. And so often, for me at least, it's just things that I stew in my mind that maybe don't even exist. And all it does is just breeds just bitterness for nonsense reasons. And I thought, if that's true of me, then maybe, maybe, just maybe, there's one or two others of us that maybe need to uh, do the same thing and just be better at forgiving. So I want to encourage uh, you just to, to, to just consider everything I'm going to speak of up here. I'm actually going to start off with a little review session. Uh, like I mentioned before, I'm a middle school teacher, so I kind of, that's my pe- pe- pedagogy, that's my style, that's my, is that that word? Okay. Um, which is uh, kind of sifting back, review, go back, go forward, and, and just make sure that, um, uh, that, that the message is clear. So um, as much as anything, I want to make sure today's message is clear, and that uh, opens a road for the Lord to speak to us. Um, a while ago, so these are actually old lessons. I had to go back on the website and re-listen to one of my lessons. It was, uh, I think it was just the date. It was the, the first Sunday after New Year's. And um, the point of that lesson, so there's, there's two old lessons I want to review. Um, uh, and one of them goes back to um, shadows, how the Old Testament has so many shadows of things to come. I've got a ton of little scripture verses, so it's kind of like a little scripture Easter egg hunt here. And what uh, uh, Russell and Jesse already set up, so you don't have to like, be flipping, and I don't either, uh, through our Bibles to read these little one-liners, um, is we've got a series of, of scriptures. Uh, the first set, kind of just reminding us that many of the stories in the Old Testament, many of the characters, and even the law and the rituals in the Old Testament are a shadow of things to come. And then the second set, and this is the one from just last January, is a set of uh, scriptures and a couple of comments reminding us of just where we are when it comes to our relationship with the Lord and the fact that we are sinners and we need forgiveness. And there has to be a payment for that sin and how Jesus provides that. So let's run through that, and then I'm actually going to teach on the scripture. So it sounds like it might be long, but I, don't, I hope not. Not too long, at least. Okay, I understand. We, <laughs> one of the things I've learned as a teacher, sometimes that one extra minute, and I don't know if this is true of all of us, you, you lose the whole thing because you went a teeny bit too long, so I'm going to really avoid that. Um, so this first set, some reminders of how characters, stories, the law, rituals, so on, are shadows. Um, uh, uh, speaking of things to come, so it says, for every, for every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices... Okay, this is just the beginning. Um, to offer gifts and sacrifices, thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if, we, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy, here we go, a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the, erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything in according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old as a covenant, since he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. So there's new promises. The old, the old is just a shadow of the new promises to come, which is the promise of um, forgiveness through the blood of Jesus. And then Hebrews 10.1, 
And there's just a quick little reminder, since the law is but a shadow of the good things, and there's purpose to that law that I'll come back to in a second. And then in Colossians 2, it says this, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. I think it's pretty clear. I've used that word shadow several times there. Um, I think one more time in Galatians. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. <clears throat> Without the... Oops, that's for the next one. So, point number one, reminder number one. The, the, the idea of, uh, of sacrifices, which is actually the, the shadowing that I want to kind of focus on. The idea that um, uh, when, when the nation of Israel had all these laws, six, if you're going to remember this, I had to look it back up, 613, 613 different Old Testament laws. And I remember reading a handful of those off, and it's kind of, you know, it's humorous at first, but then we realize it's got, these were the standards. These are the standards that people were held to, and very obvious that we can't. So there were these sacrifices, bulls, goats, and so on. And the, 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 the main idea there is that blood, blood has to be shed in order for sin to be covered. So now we can go to the Hebrews. Um, and it says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness for sin. So that takes us to a place of kind of a predicament. Is we, actually if you go to the, uh, bouncing, sorry guys. Um, Hebrews 10.4. This is kind of a crux of it, so skip one. The blood of bulls and goats don't take away sin. So that leaves us with, here's our little conundrum here. Actually a really big conundrum. We, we cannot atone for ourselves. The shedding of blood of goats and, you know, and, and I think we, we even try to do this not literally by shedding blood, but by like doing good things. Somehow, somehow creating, stirring something up in us to try to do something to make up for what we know as being our sinful nature. And this does not do it. So actually, if we go back, back to Hebrews the 922b, that without, without the shedding of that blood, we're, we're unforgiven. And so we've got a serious problem here. Um, I'm going to go by my notes because I'm starting to bounce a little bit. Uh, so we need to shed blood. And what we need is, here's what I'm looking for, Hebrews 10.10. Like I said, it's a little bit of a scripture uh, Easter egg hunt here. And by that we've been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So once we come to this realization of our sinful nature, and we know that we, can't, we cannot do anything about it. But the price has been already paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ. And if we look at Romans 3, 21 through 25, it says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There is, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we have to come to a place. So before even that lesson, the, the parable that Jesus taught, it doesn't make any sense if you don't understand that we've been forgiven. Okay, so, so we, we are that servant who is forgiven much. And that's really the place where we need to come down to. And understanding that our sin is paid for, and I think this is the last of the many verses, Hebrews 10, 18, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. 
that, that's, that's the whole thing. So there's no, lender, no longer any offering for sin. It's Jesus' blood, the blood of Jesus. Is that not? All right. So it's the blood of Jesus that takes our sin away. If you come to a place of faith in Jesus Christ, that sin, your sin is taken care of. So, number one, we have to understand that we are sinners. All have fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. And if you can recognize that, then solving that problem, simple for us, put our faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the one and only sacrifice that forgives us our sins. So if we are in a place where we have received that forgiveness through faith, then we can read this parable and make much more sense of it. So this is what I really wanted to get to. That was just my little review portion there. Um, this last week at uh, Oaks, where I teach middle school, um, we, we, we did guys and girls um, chapel separately. So I was talking to the guys, sixth grade guys. So, uh, you know, it's the, the man chapel for these little 11 and 12-year-old boys. So I'm supposed to teach them. It's like, what, what does it mean to be a man? And there's just so many aspects that, and it's not just for the men here, but the point that I taught on is learning to take responsibility. So the first step in receiving forgiveness is understanding your sinfulness, our sinfulness, taking responsibility. And uh, it, it reminded me, I told them a story. I was lifeguarding several years back at uh, Third Point Malibu. And uh, talking to a friend, he was on the beach, he'd just gotten out of the water. And he's standing here, he's talking, and his wife and kid are over in the sand here. And I'm facing him, and I've got the rescue can, I'm just I'm watching the water talking. And, and I see behind him a fairly large guy with a board, and he's walking at us with like fire in his eyes. And I was like, okay, something happened here that I don't. And he drops his board, and he confronts this guy that I know, and he just starts going off on him. And he's, you know, you, you, uh, you, you cut my son off. This is the third point, so there's all kinds of this kind of stuff going on. But this guy was ready to fight. It wasn't just that he cut the son off. Uh, there was some kind of interaction in the water where, like, he pushed him off a wave or something like that. And my buddy's going, dude, that, it's so crowded out there. It wasn't me. You got me mixed up with somebody else. And, and, he goes, and, and the, the dad of the son just insisted. He goes, he goes dude, you know, I mean, lots of words that I'm not going to use in church. Uh, and, and I literally had to, and, and both of you guys are bigger than me, but I'm at work, so I got to, like, kind of show some sort of, like authority here on this little beach, even though that's not my job, uh, the water is. But I get between them, and I hold the rescue can, and, fr and I'm facing the, 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 the guy who's so irate. And meanwhile, my buddy back here is just denying everything. And, you know, and this guy goes, well, you know, if, if we were in Hawaii, you know, me and my buddies would have kicked your butt already by now and all this kind of stuff. And he goes storming off. And then it was like, Whew. And my friend's wife, is there on the sand, kind of just watching this whole thing. And she says, what was that all about? And my friend goes on to, well, that kid, well, he was in my way. And no joke. And I'm like standing there going, couldn't, I could not believe it. And, they, then, and off they went. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was thinking to myself. And anyway, went back just maybe an hour or so later. Here comes that dad towards me. And he's got all his stuff packed up, board under his arm. And he comes over and apologizes. He goes, hey, man, you know what? That guy, he, he, I'm just watching out for my kid, and da, 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 and I just want to apologize for my behavior. I know, you know, this is your beach, and you got this, this, and that, and I'm just really sorry. And I went, wow, 
I go, what a turn of events and this whole concept of taking responsibility for our actions and understanding our sinful nature, and which is where I really kind of want to go this morning, is just get, getting a handle on the fact that no matter who we think we are, that sinful nature just takes control. And there's absolutely no remedy for that other than the blood of Jesus. So if we can just stop for the moment. Before I, I'm, going to read that, I'm going to read that parable again. So if, if we can get a handle on, we have been forgiven so much. We've been forgiven so much. And maybe this is, you know, that morning when I was sitting on the beach reading that, that um, portion of Matthew, maybe I was feeling overwhelmed by my own personal sin. And at the same time, some unforgiveness of others. I'm like, who, who am I to hold on to grudges when I've been forgiven so much? So um, I'm actually going to take the moment to read that again, Matthew, Matthew 18. And uh, just, I think it's just super profound. You know, we live in a society. I, th- I mean, I think across the country, obviously here in Malibu, from that story, that's, that's, not, that kind of, that's not that unusual. You know, it is humorous. And I think, I think if, in fact, it's so commonplace, if it wasn't a friend of mine, and maybe it would have even just passed from my memory because that kind of stuff just happens all the time. And we don't recognize our own faults. So, uh, so let's read this again, just kind of slowly, and make sure it sinks in. So Peter came up to Jesus and says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said unto him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. And I did not go to seminary or I'm not a Bible scholar, but I was taught that the seventy times 70 times 7 basically means you, you never stop. It's, it's open-ended. You never stop forgiving your brother. But 70 times 7. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to, when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay his master... And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to, be, him to be sold, along with his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. So, time out for a second. That's us before the Lord. We cannot pay the debt that we owe. Okay? Our blood's not even good enough. Okay? Because we're sinners. It's impure. Blood, goats, only the blood of Jesus. Okay? So the servant fell on his knees and implored him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. He didn't put him on a payment plan. He didn't say, Okay, just pay me a portion. He forgave the debt. Our debt. Our debt is forgiven. So now we've got this free man. Here we are, free. And we go out, and what do we do? But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now again, I don't know all my numbers, but I'm picturing the, the talents and the denarii being significantly different. In other words, a pittance. He's got a friend who owes, owes him a few cents when he's been forgiven millions. And he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Same, same story. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. 
And when they reported to their master all that had taken place, then his master summoned him and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So that struck home with me. Um, I, I did a little, little bit of research on an interesting... I wasn't even sure if this was how true of a story this was. But I know uh, Kevin Costner did a... I guess it was a special or a thing on the Hatfields and McCoys. You guys familiar with that? I mentioned it to someone yesterday and hadn't heard of it. And I thought, and so anyway, I did a little homework yesterday to see, first of all, how, how real is this story and what is real? And I'm not going to tell the whole story. There's just, there's, seriously, if you, if, if you just know the words, it's, it's worth check, checking out. These two families back in, started in 1865, and they lived um, along the... Uh, on either side of something called Tug Fork on the Big Sandy River, which forms the border between Kentucky and, uh, and Western Virginia. And the, both families were in the lumber business. And it all started when one of the, um, one of the you know, I think it was one of the Hatfields, lived in Kentucky, and Kentucky remained, uh, I don't know what the right political term is, but un, unaffiliated during the Civil War, even most of them were Confederate, but they, they were not one of the Confederacy states. And, he chose to fight for the Union, and that was not okay in that neighborhood. So a band of people came and actually murdered this guy because they thought, thought of him as a traitor. Amongst them was a member of one of the other family, the, the, the Hatfields. And that started in 1865, a feud that included things besides a, a murder, lots of scuffles and lawsuits over property. Um, in the 1880s, there was a, another murder um, over a stolen hog. In 1882, which actually might have been the event that, uh, that kind of made it a story and you know, it turned into legend, uh, there was a, a, at a local election at the local town there, there was a big shootout between the Hatfields and the McCoys. And, uh, and three, three of the three family members were, were, were killed. Um, there were arrests made, but everybody was let go. And, and that just fueled this feud, um, led to something called the New Year's Massacre, where one family snuck up on the cabin of another and basically massacred a family. Um, and it, it just went on for years. And uh, so it, starting in 1865, and there's still stories that went as far as into like 1915 and 1916. And all, all because of humankind's, our inability to just lay it down and just, just forgive each other. And these families just destroyed each other. And uh, finally, the patriarchs, um, I didn't write the names down, but, but very colorful names. Uh, Devil, Devil, Annis, Devil Annis Hatfield and, uh, and actually Randall uh, McCoy. When they finally passed away in the, in the mid-1910s, it, it kind of just faded. But for decades, these two families were at war with each other and because of the lack of forgiveness. People just cannot forgive each other. So when I think of my life and our lives and the lives we live with each other in families and church and so on, you know, I, I, I probably can't count the number of times when I've had to ask forgiveness uh, from friends. I know there's been several times, and he's, he's not here so I'll say his name, but um, where I've had to go approach Lockwood and just go, hey, you don't even know this is going on in me right now. This is not easy. It's like super hard. It's like, but I need to ask your forgiveness for stuff that I'm carrying inside of me. And, and the freedom that comes when you're done, because if you have to do that with someone, I think you will be 
amazed that the person, first of all, go, oh, I had no idea. Of course I forgive you. I don't even know what, you know, I'm one who tends to hold stuff in here and kind of let it stew and cook. And if I don't do that every now and then, then I've got problems. I become a bitter old man. And, and, and maybe it's my age and I'm starting to look back at some of this stuff going, oh, I got, I got to let some of this stuff go. Um, but our ability to forgive each other, if, if you're married or planning on getting married, you absolutely have to learn to forgive each other. Okay? In our imperfections, oh my gosh. Uh, so it's, it's, it's 2017. So 36 years this August, I've been married to Karen. And the number of times, <laughs> a, yeah, uh, and it's a whole other story, but just, you know, we, we split up in, our, in year number two. And without the capacity to each other ask forgiveness, these 36 years would not have happened. We have to learn how to forgive one another. Um, it, just, it just breeds, it's poison. Um, in friendships, in churches, parent-child relationships. You know, I can't think of how many times I've talked with older and younger people who just bitter harborness towards a parent. And from one side to the other, it's the inability to forgive one another. You know, more, more often than not, it's a, it's a I'll just, I guess I'm a dad, so I'll just share that, is a, a, a dad's inability to own up to his mistakes. You know, we're, we're not perfect. We may make mistakes when we raise our kids. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's a bit of a blur, but I know there are times when both my boys were, it's like, maybe I said or did something, and, and, and the relationship was way too valuable to let that thing go and go, hey, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I said, I said a stupid thing, or I did a stupid thing. Um, so uh, it, it's devastating, and what happens is we just, we just build resentment. And Jesus died for, for our sins, but he died for our freedom also. And sometimes we kind of struggle. So what, what do you mean by this? What's, what's, what's this freedom? I think one of the, there's many, there's, you know, it's many faceted. There's many directions that freedom can go as you, you know as we begin to explore that more and more as Christians as, you know we spend a lifetime following Jesus but I want to suggest maybe one of the the highest levels of freedom is understanding the forgiveness he gave us and, and applying it the way that he suggests in this parable of forgiving others because the freedom that creates is, is incredible it just lets you be you and not harbor the resentment and the bitterness and so on and we don't grow up to be bitter old men and bitter old women who, who are angry at every little turn on the highway or a guy in the store who, you know. In fact, at some point it almost becomes, and, and I'm far from being really good at this, but uh, I will say this, at, more often than not, it's almost humorous to me because I, I can just let that go and, and just go, <laughs> and anyway, and, that, and that's okay. Um, you know, just when I see hum our own behavior, maybe I've learned to laugh at myself enough or that's why it becomes humorous. So, hey, the last verse here on e in Ephesians 4, it just says this, and it's pretty key, and it's on its way. Ephesians 4.32, and we'll just kind of end on this. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So there it is, kind of in a nutshell. Hey, and I, here's one thing. I, I don't want to suggest this to you, though. Like I said, I teach sixth grade. I do believe in consequences. 
there are actions do have consequences. So if, if you're raising children or just in whatever walk of life, people, we, we do stuff that does require consequence. But you can still forgive someone within that. So, I mean, most practical for me, you know, the annoying child who just, you know, here's one. She rolled, small example, she rolled her eyes at me. Well, that's not okay. I'm a teacher in the classroom. Out, <laughs> out you go. And uh, uh, go out and have a word and little tears and all this stuff. And, you know, that is, that's, my, that's my life Monday through Friday. Um, but, but she comes back in. All is forgiven. She, got con she understands. She gets it. She's old. You know, that's about all you, for some, that's about all it takes. For others, it's you know, higher and higher consequences. Depends on how much pain is necessary to come to that place of uh, asking for forgiveness. Um, oh, i got too many stories for that. But, um, <laughs> uh, but I guess my point, just in finishing up here, is, is consequences are necessary. But forgiveness is absolute. We, we have to be able to forgive in the midst of, of passing out consequences when, when needed. So parents, children, we, we got to understand that. So, so be kind to one another. There's my exhortation. Paul's exhortation. To be, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. We... Who are we to not forgive? So let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you that you have freed us from the bondage of sin. And though we recognize at the same time we continue to sin, Lord, but I pray that um, as we learn to let go of the wrongs against us, that we would be freed up, Lord, to no longer be bound by um, the law of sin and death. God, that you would, um, by the power of your Holy Spirit, also bring healing, Lord, to maybe some of our hearts that um, have a very, very hard time forgiving or, or maybe even feel like it's too late, either because someone's not with us anymore or um, just the relationship's too far gone, whatever it might be. Uh, I just pray for healing in our hearts, God, in those areas. But help us to live as people who are just so bound up in your love for us that, that we're so capable of uh, forgiving friends, family, even strangers, Lord, um, to owning up to and understanding our own stuff and bringing those things before you. So I just thank you, God, that... Um, you have gathered a people together here this morning to, to hear your word and uh, pray that we do leave after worship, um, Lord, with the intent and the ability, God, to, to live as free people, forgiving one another. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.